every day has 24 hours in it. And the origin of our time system of 24 hours a day subdivided into 60 minutes and then 60 seconds has a backstory. And Dr. Nick Lohm of astronomy at the Sydney Observatory tells this backstory. Now, he explains that the 24 hour day comes from the ancient Egyptians, and they divided daytime into 10 hours, and they measured it with devices. Some were called shadow clocks. And then they added a twilight hour at the beginning and another one at the end of the daytime, Loam said. He went on to say that nighttime was then divided into 12 hours based on the observation of stars. Now, the Egyptians had a system they developed of 36 star groups, and they called those star groups decans. And they chose that so that on any night, one decan rose 40 minutes after the previous one. And then what they did is they created tables. And those tables helped people to figure out time at night by looking at the decans. And you know what they have said? that they have found these tables inside the lids of coffins. And Loam said that they put those there so that the dead could possibly tell time. Now, Loam also said that the Egyptian system, the length of day and time and nighttime hours were sometimes unequal and they were different with the seasons. So Loam said that Summer daytime hours are a little bit longer than the nighttime hours. And in the winter time, the hours and the lengths were the other way around. So every day is a little bit different. Now, the word different is an adjective. It means this. It's not the same as another or each other. It's unlike in nature, form, or quality. Every day, every day we will be right and every day we could be wrong, but we can count on this. Every day we will encounter people, everyday people. Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. My name is Stephen Thompson and this is my experience. I'm curious, trying to be a compassionate leader who is the creator of the Stephen Thompson Experience, a podcast for leaders and followers, hopeful optimists, careful pragmatists, bold asserters, and people who want to bend the arc of the universe towards justice. And my goal is to use this platform to educate, inform, and inspire individuals to use their gifts and talents in the service of others. And even if others are yourself, you should be using your gifts and talents in the service of them. And today I'm looking at the song, Everyday People. Everyday People is a 1968 song composed by Sly and the Family Stone. And it was first recorded by his band in the year 1968. And in that year, it was their very first song that went to number one on the Soul Singles chart and also on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. In fact, it held that position on the Hot 100 chart for four weeks, from February 9th to March 8th, 
1969. And it was remembered as one of the most popular songs of the 1960s. In fact, Billboard ranked it as the number five song of 1969. And we have to remember the context of which this song was birthed. The United States was going through a very volatile time. In 1968, Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Robert F. Kennedy had been assassinated. There was racial, racial unrest. The Democratic Convention in Chicago featured bloodshed and riots. There were riots in cities across the nation after MLK was shot. There was a contentious presidential election occurring between Richard Nixon and Hubert Humphrey. And when this song was coming out, the Nixon administration was just beginning its term. Then we also had the Vietnam War going in the background of this. So there is great turmoil, upheaval, doubt in our structures and systems, protest, injustice, people being treated unfairly. And then came this song. And these lyrics, how he starts out by saying, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. My own beliefs are in my song. The butcher, the baker, the drummer, and then makes no difference what group I'm in. I am everyday people. There is a blue one who can't accept the green one for living with the fat one trying to be a skinny one. Everyday people. He says his beliefs are in his song, in his talents and his abilities. And then he goes and lists some occupations, butchers and bakers and drummers. Whatever group that they're in, it doesn't make a difference. I'm just an everyday person. People with talents, people with gifts and abilities go out to do magnificent things. But yet sometimes those magnificent things that they attempt are sometimes not acknowledged to the extent that they should be. Let's look at Chien Sheng Wu. Now, Chien Sheng Wu was known as the first lady of physics and even called the Chinese Marie Curie. And she made significant contributions to physics during her career. Now, she was born in China and she moved to California. And she finished her PhD in 1940 at the University of California, Berkeley. She then joined the research staff at Columbia University in 1944. And she worked on the Manhattan Project, which we know helped the United States develop the atomic bomb during World War II. But even with all of those accomplishments, Wu faced discrimination working as a woman in the field of physics. And one glaring example was this. When she worked on the Manhattan Project, she helped develop a process for separating uranium metal into uranium-235 and uranium-238 isotopes. But what she is best known she conducted what is called the Wu experiment. And the Wu experiment contradicted and proved wrong the concept of the law of the conservation of parity. And the Wu experiment 
resulted in a Nobel Prize in 1957 for physics. But Wu was not given that Nobel Prize. No, the Nobel Prize went to her colleagues, a man named Li and a man named Yang. From 1957 to 1978, this was unacknowledged. But in 1978, she received the inaugural, the first Wolf Prize in Physics. And they acknowledged the Wu experiment. They called her the first lady of physics and the queen of nuclear research. But Wu kept going. She was a handful of nuclear physicists, female physicists during the time, and their names are not known as well as they should be. And there was gender-based discrimination and injustice, and it was widespread during her time. But you know what? She continued to work in nuclear physics. And she went on, not only in 1978 to win the Wolf Prize in physics, but then she also held a prestigious cheer at Columbia University. She said at an address at MIT in 1964, I wonder whether the tiny atoms of the nuclei or the mathematical symbols or the DNA molecules have any preference for either masculine or feminine treatment. She spoke out against what was a clear slight and an injustice done to her, but she did not grow bitter, but she continued to be excellent in her field. Everyday People goes on to say, we've got to live together. There is a yellow one that won't accept the black one, that won't accept the red one, that won't accept the white one, different strokes for different folks, and so on and so on. I am everyday people. Every day, we are faced with circumstances and situations. Some of them we can control and some of them we can't. But what can we do every day? Well, one, we can complain or we can explain or we can suggest I have to ask myself, is that helpful? But we do it. But again, ask yourself, is it helpful? There are rules that we have to follow, but we are also given the ability and have an obligation to speak up when those rules and policies are not achieving the goals that they were created to achieve. Thorogood Marshall said this, a man can make what he wants of himself if he truly believes that he must be ready for hard work and many heartbreaks. So there was Wu sitting there with a tremendous heartbreak, not getting acknowledged for a Nobel Prize, but yet she spoke out against it. But then you know what else she did? She chose to continue to be useful. And that's what we can do too. We can seek to serve. We can take the time to listen, to cry, and we set goals because maybe we want an outcome in the future, but we also want to finish and we want to accomplish. But when we think about all those future outcomes, what do we need to do today? Today, we can look around, and I guarantee you that there is someone in pain, that there is someone who is hurting. There is someone not knowing what it is that they are trying to do. They've lost hope. But you know what? You can be there 
to help give it back to them. You can help them. You can assist them. Or maybe it's you. Maybe you're that person. Maybe the state of the world, the injustice, the racism, the partisan bickering, the shootings. We can stop. We can acknowledge. We can cry. We can listen. We can support. And we can create. I'm advocating that we need to continue. Continue working towards our goals. Continue working towards our hope and dreams. We have a path. And that path involves not just speculation, not just metaphorical exercises and thought, but implementation, hard work, time spent in isolation by ourselves. There were long hours in the laboratory Miss Wu spent working on disproving the law of conservation of parity. But in that isolation time, that's where the transformation occurs. You see, your skills and your ability, people can decide not to acknowledge you. But that lack of acknowledgement, lack of recognition, that doesn't take away or nullify what you can do. So take your skills, take your abilities, and you continue. You continue. That's what Wu did. She continued. She wasn't acknowledged. She wasn't given the credit that was due her in the form of the Nobel Prize, but it did not take away her ability to do physics. And whatever you're not being acknowledged in, whatever credit you're not getting, continue. Continue. Romans 12 in the Christian Bible says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud and be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. And even if you don't subscribe to a religion, you can walk through the world with this posture. You can walk through the world with the ontology and you carry yourself in a way where if you know that there are people who are happy around you, you can be happy with them. And if you know that there are people who are sad, you can be sad with them too. You can work to the best of your ability to live in harmony with one another, but that does not guarantee that they're going to be harmonious back towards you. But in those situations, you move on every day, everyday people. Everyday people are rejoicing and everyday people are mourning. Every day we have the opportunity to be happy with those who are happy. But once again, we also need to set aside time to cry, and mourn with those who are mourning. I repeated myself for a very specific and intentional purpose because I needed to say that again. So what can we do? What can I do? You can ask that question. I can be helpful. I can be patient. I can practice hospitality. I might be right. I may be wrong. We're gonna make mistakes but I need to continue. 
And what do you need to continue? This is Stephen Thompson. This has been my experience. My goal today is to educate, inform, and inspire. And I hope that I have moved a bit in that direction. But if anyone is upset or if anyone is triggered, I apologize. It's never my intent. And I know that there are a lot of people who are facing loss and tragedy. And I pray for you to have comfort and the support you need to help you face it. And if you're happy right now, take time to be thankful for what you have. And remember those that are battling right now. Feel free to reach out to me through the comments. Leave me an email address if you'd like to dialogue. If you enjoyed it, subscribe. And until next time, have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.